you have your Bibles, you'll please turn them to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, continuing our sermon series in this greatest chapter in the Bible. And as you're turning there, let me just mention a couple of things. Uh, one is, uh, do, would love everyone, please join us out at the, the Kaufman's home on the backside of Montesano next Sunday afternoon for uh, fellowship. Wonderful picnic and some bluegrass music. Uh, it's just a, it's a great gathering, a beautiful setting, and love for you to, to join us out there. Uh, also, right after worship, uh, we'll gather and fellowship for a bit, and then all the adults are invited to come and back here in the sanctuary and stick around. Uh, we're going to have a joint Sunday school time. Uh, we'll let our children and youth get settled in their uh, respective locations. And then I'll be speaking about rest in a busy culture. So uh, I am the world's foremost expert on busyness and not rest, so we'll see if I can help us, help us and pray for us. So please uh, join me for that. Uh, page 944, if you don't have a Bible, there's uh, Bibles in the chairs in front of you. And we're going to be looking at two verses, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. This is God's holy word, but I think it's also helpful to remember that the scriptures say men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so these are the words of a pastor, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome. And so I find it very helpful to think about these pastoral words that he's given to the, the church there in Rome. Verses 12 through 13, this is God's word. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray. Father, we ask, as we do every time we open up your word, that your Spirit would breathe life into us and, and help us to understand and to know the truth that is being taught here. Father, help us to walk by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Those were the words famously written by the Prince of Puritans, John Owen, Perhaps the greatest theologian after Martin Luther and John Calvin. And those words come from his classic work on, uh, on dealing with sin in the Christian life called the mortification of sin. Uh, this work was transcribed from some sermons that he gave at Oxford University in the 1650s. And the young men attending this college would have been around 15 or 16 Obviously, a different era. And so what was the most important thing that John Owen wanted to tell these young men about the Christian life? What was it that he wanted them to know that so they would grow and mature in the faith? And it was this. Kill sin. Get rid of it. Mortify sin in your lives. Well, this teaching from John Owen, it didn't originate with him. These are actually from the words of the Apostle Paul here in verse 13, where Paul says, if by the Spirit you put to death 
the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And so this opens up for us an important teaching on the Christian life, because really all of these first verses of Romans chapter 8, 1 through 13, to where we'll end up today, have primarily to do with the doctrine of sanctification. What is sanctification? Is that just one of those big church words? Well, yes, it is. And it's one you need to know. Because the doctrine of sanctification is that work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and we are enabled to more and more die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. Or to put it in the words of the Apostle Paul, sanctification is living by the Spirit and not in the flesh. Or sanctification means living for righteousness, not living for sin. So again, very affectionately, very pastorally, look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 12. He says, brothers, and he's talking to the believers here, so he could have just as easily been said, brothers and sisters. He's talking to the saints here in Rome, brothers and sisters in Christ. I have something I want to tell you, he says. I want to teach you something about the Christian life. God desires for you to live a holy life. God wants you to live a sanctified life, to live a life set apart and different from the world. God wants you to do everything for his glory. The Lord wants you to pursue righteousness. And so on this journey in the Christian life, in this call to live holy and sanctified lives, there is something that you must do. And that one thing that you must do is you must daily be about the business of killing sin in your life. That is what Paul is saying in verse 13. That's why this verse really is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture that teach us about how to live the Christian life. This call to mortify sin in our lives, to put it to death. So that may be a new word for you, mortify or mortification. What is, what is the mortification of sin? Well, let me tell you what it's not. It's not masochism. In other words, it's not inflicting pain upon yourself so that you won't sin. That's not what mortification is. Uh, mortification of sin is not asceticism. It's not go live as a monk out in the wilderness and deny yourself all natural Bodily appetites and functions. That's not what mortification of sin is. What it is, is it is clear, a clear-sighted recognition and even hatred of sin is evil. That's what mortification of sin is. It comes from the Latin word uh, mortificigo, which means a killing or a putting to death or execution. And so mortification of sin involves this decisive and radical rejection of sin. So much so that only the imagery of putting it to death gets the point across here. That's how radically we must deal with sin in our lives. The Greek word for putting sin to death means handing someone over to be killed or execution. So again, the Apostle Paul is trying to very dramatically get across to believers how we are to deal with sin in our lives. Mortification 
is declaring war on sin in the Christian's life. Dealing with it, fighting for that new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so ridding ourselves of sin in the Christian life is serious business. And this is why it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in the believer that the apostle taught us about in the verses preceding this. And so what are we looking at here in these two verses? We're we're called to live a life of holiness. We're called to live sanctified lives. And in doing this, we must mortify sin in our lives. And we must do that for three reasons that the Apostle Paul lists for us here in these two verses. We are to mortify sin in our lives because we are debtors. Secondly, we are to mortify sin in our lives because if we don't, we will die. And thirdly, we mortify sin in our lives because we have a duty to kill sin. So I went with alliteration again this week. (laughs) Debtors, death, and duty. Let's look at that first. We, we, We mortify sin. We kill sin in our lives because we are debtors. That is what the Apostle Paul says here in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So why should you pursue holiness? Why is sanctification such an important part of the Christian life? Why all this talk about dealing with sin in our lives? Well, it's very clear here that the Apostle Paul says it's because we have an obligation. We have a, we have a commitment. There is, there is something that we owe. We have a debt. We owe somebody something because something has been done for us. Those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, are deeply indebted to the Lord because of what he has done for us. And this is true because of the wonderful news given to us back in verse 2. Look there with me, if you will, in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Here our debt is described very clearly. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit. God living in us and working in us has freed us from being duty-bound, from being empowered, have power over us by sin and death. And so our debt is to God because of what he has done for us, not to the flesh. We're not indebted to the flesh. We're not indebted to live for sin. Our, Our debt is to God and to live by the Spirit. Now that we are free from the power of sin and death, and now that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we have an obligation to live a righteous life because we are no longer slaves to sin and death. But we are now free in Christ Jesus. And so we're called to live a righteous life. Our debt is not to the sinful nature. It has no claim on us. We owe it nothing. But we owe Christ everything. We owe Jesus everything. He has given us everything. He's given us his very life. How could we not be indebted to him? To live a righteous life and to put sin to death. We owe the flesh nothing. We owe Jesus everything. But secondly, we are to put sin to death because if we don't, there is a very real spiritual death that we must contend with. 
And that's what Paul teaches here. That if we live according to the flesh, we will die in verse 13. We want to be serious about the Christian life and pursuing holiness and putting sin to death. Because if we don't, there's a a pretty bad verdict here called death. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. What is Paul talking about here? What he's talking about here is spiritual death. The spiritual death that we have all experienced in one way or the other. Is this not what happened to Adam and Eve when they ate the forbidden fruit and they disobeyed God? When they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this was a very serious act of disobedience. But did they literally fall dead on the spot? No, they did not. It's because they experienced a separation that still plagues us to this day, even now spiritual death they experienced a spiritual death spiritual death is being eternally separated from god as the penalty for sin and so not only are those who reject christ spiritually dead but those who live in the flesh are promised no life we are handed over to spiritual death we are trapped in an endless cycle of death decay and rot and misery. To live in spiritual death is utter misery. Brothers and sisters, do not live in the flesh. It's miserable. It's spiritual death. And so we should practice mortification. We're called to work out our sanctification because when we do, we are told we will live. Not that we will gain eternal life by earning our salvation, because salvation is not by works, but life is a reward, fullness of life, joy in the Holy Spirit, communion with God. These are all things promised to us when we live by the Spirit. But additionally, if we practice mortification, we grow closer to God, because sin is a barrier between us and Him. Sin alienates us from God. And so ridding our lives of sin brings us closer to the Savior. It gives us that wonderful spiritual life that we crave. But finally, and we'll spend the majority of our time here, we are to mortify sin in our lives because it's our duty. It's our duty to kill sin. Look at what he says there in verse 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We have an obligation to live holy lives. And so we have a duty to kill sin. The way Paul puts this is that we are to put to death. We are to kill the misdeeds of the body. He's not saying that our bodies are evil and we must strive to get rid of our bodies, that our bodies are just nothing but bad. There's All there is is The spirit is good and the body is bad. No, that's not what he's saying. The misdeeds of the body are the ways that we use our body to serve sin rather than to serve the spirit. So this is why we are to kill sin. We are not to serve sin. We serve the Lord. And so how do we kill sin? What does mortification actually look like in our lives? 
Because we see clearly here from this passage that the onus is put on us. That we are called to deal with sin. We are responsible for putting evil to death in our bodies. And so killing sin involves, yes, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, but also recognizing sin in your life, hating it, turning from it, confessing it to God, and asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to to turn away from sin and to turn to righteousness. So specifically, it might look very much like what we read in Colossians chapter 3. We didn't read all that passage, but I just want to call your attention to it again. Because there, Paul talks about this mortification because he, he gives a list. Now, I don't know about you guys, I like lists. <laughs> We're not just supposed to follow lists so we earn our way to God, but, but God gives us lists. And these lists are important. So if you've got your bulletin, you can look at this list. And Again, the whole passage is not there. But he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In other words, he's saying, the works of the flesh, living according to the flesh, put, put that to death. What are those things? Sexual immorality. Impurity. Evil desire covetousness, in other words, wanting what you want, doing anything to get it. All this, he says, is idolatry. And what does he say about these things we're to put to death? Because if we don't, the wrath of God is coming. In these things you too once walked when you were living in them. But you must put away, here's another list, anger, Especially if it was your college football team yesterday. It was wrath, malice. And then he gets into these real picky ones here, but we need to pay attention. Slander. We like to pretend like that's no big deal, right? Uh, obscene talk. Getting very specific here, aren't we? We are to put these things away. Do not. Lie, lying, seeing that you put off the old self with his practices. So here we have it. Kill these things. Put them off. Do away with them. Those are works of the flesh, Paul says. This is very important business. You have to kill sin. We have to put off the ways of the flesh. What we are saying here is the Christian life is not about letting go and letting God. The Christian life is not to be lived from the sidelines. We cannot be passive in pursuing holiness. Have you ever prayed like this? I know I have. Lord, make me stop sinning. Is that what mortification looks like? Is it just a simple prayer that we just say, Lord, make me stop sinning? No, we're to pray very differently from that. We pray, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, help me to kill sin. Help me to put it away. Because it is by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, that we put sin to death. It's the Holy Spirit's agency, His power, His ability in us that gives us the desire, that gives us the determination, that gives us the discipline to reject evil, 
to hate sin and to love righteousness. This is the wonderful news of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ, we now have the Spirit living in us, and the Spirit gives us the power to kill sin. Recognize that this morning. If you are in Christ, you have the ability, you have the power, by the power of the Spirit, to put sin to death, to kill it. And so rather, we might pray that the Holy Spirit would give us the power to kill sin and to love righteousness. And that's where he goes on to that next list there in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, put off these things, but put on these things. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, We are to practice forgiveness because the Lord has forgiven us, so we must also forgive. And above all these things, he says, put on love because the love of God binds all these things together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Put on God's word into your life, into your heart. Teach one another, admonish one another in all wisdom. And then when you're finding it hard to do all these things, perhaps, he says, you could sing some songs. You could sing to one another. You could worship singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We put all these things before us to help us live by this power of the Spirit. The Spirit gives us the power, gives us the ability, it gives us the initiative to actively put sin to death in our lives, to hate it, to be rid of it, to be killing it, or it will be killing us. John Owen says this, do you mortify sin? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it so that you will live. Never cease, not a day, from this work. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. In that work, the mortification of sin, John Owen gives us some very practical reasons why mortification of sin is so important daily in our lives. Let me let me, uh, let, me, let me quote these from him. These, these, these are wonderful helps here. We practice mortification because sin still lives in us. We are still in the sinful world, and therefore we always need to be mortifying in it. We need to practice this because sin not only lives in us, but it's always working to bring out the deeds of the flesh. You ever felt that way? If you struggle with anger, you ever felt like, man, it takes hardly anything for me to just blow up. That old self working in us, we have to kill it. Mortification of sin is important because left alone, it produces soul-destroying sin in us. If we just leave sin alone and let it grow and flourish, can be soul-destroying. 
We must practice it because the Holy Spirit gives us power to put sin to death. We need to be encouraged in this because we are not alone. We have God living in us to help us. Mortification of sin is important because neglecting this duty renews the old man and rots the new man. And last, he says, we are to mortify sin. We do so out of reverent fear for God. We are debtors. Think of what all he has done for us in Jesus Christ. We should put sin to death. So let me ask you this morning. When was the last time you sought to put sin to death in your life? When was the last time that you were really hard on yourself and hated some particular sin that you were committing? When was the last time that you very intentionally saw from the word of God that you were in sin and you sought to turn away from it and turn to God? Have you thought about that lately? Have you actively tried to put sin to death in your life? Because mortification of sin, it's a call to action. It's a call to war. What sin is it that comes to your mind right now that you just hate in your life? What is it that you're thinking, I I wish I could just stop this? It's killing me. It's ruining my relationships. It's it's, it's ruining my communion with God. What what is it, and how can you kill it? How can you put it to death? Maybe it involves telling someone. Maybe it it means going to an elder and saying, I I need help. Maybe it means going to just a brother or sister and going, I've got this issue, and I, I, I I need your prayer. I need you to preach the gospel to me and help me deal with this sin. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Derek Thomas says, we are not to show sin mercy. Sin is to be killed outright. There's to be no peace with sin. And what this means is, if you've got that pet sin and you just keep feeding it just so it won't utterly consume you, it has consumed you. We are not to show sin mercy. No peace No quarter is to be given to sin in our lives. Because do you want to live? Do you want to experience this full life that God promises us by the power of the Spirit? Then you must know that there is no life in sin. And so pray. Pray for the strength and power of the Holy Spirit to kill sin and to love righteousness. Reformed Presbyterians get a hard time about talking about sin too much. We do. You know, people will say, you know, I didn't enjoy your sermon. It wasn't very encouraging. And I get it. But it is understanding that our sin is so serious and so awful and so detrimental that God sent his one and only son into the world because of our sin, because of evil, so that we could live. And that's what our, this table before us reminds us of. That's what this table before us is preaching to us, that, that sin had to be dealt with, that, that sin had to be killed. 
And God sent his own son who was killed for our sins. And therefore, we are no longer debtors to sin. We are debtors to the one who lived and died and who rose again, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so do you want to live? Do you want to live? Do you want to experience that spiritual life that brings you joy unimaginable? Then run to Christ. Run to Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, kill sin in your life every day. Jesus died for you so that you could do this. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit that preaches the gospel to us every day, that we are to kill sin and to be rid of it. It reminds us that Jesus died for our sin, that he experienced the full wrath from you, O oh God, so that we wouldn't have to. What a wonderful, merciful Savior we have, Jesus. And so, Lord, in that knowledge, please give us the, the strength, give us the mindset to be killing sin in our lives, to be ridding of it, and to put on righteousness, these good things of the gospel that we read about this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.